بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اما بعد اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this gathering blessed for all of us and may he inspire me to share those words which would be of most benefit to myself and all who are present and all those who will listen afterwards. May Allah allow what we share to become a means of removing the locks on our hearts. May he make it a means of nur entering our heart. May he make it a means of allowing us to find answers to our issues and answers to our problems. May he make it a means of our hearts being infused with this muhabba of the Quran, muhabba of Rasulullah sallallahu And may he make it a means of our salvation and a means of our forgiveness. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. I request everyone in the back also to move forward on this side, inshallah. Kindly come, move forward, inshallah. Let's sit in a sunnah manner. And we, it, we are, every step that we're doing, we should tell ourselves that I came here to learn about the deen. And it starts off with listening in the sunnah manner and attending in a sunnah manner. That inshallah, there will be much more benefit from our, uh, uh, from our presence. We were speaking about the dua of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. And, uh, and the dua that we, there's so much to benefit from for all of us. Last week, qala bishahli sadri. The dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Musa alayhi salatu wasalam when he said, Ithab ila fir'aun inna utaga. Go to fir'aun, indeed he has transgressed all bounds. And, and then say, qala bishahli sadri. He said, oh my lord, open for me my heart. Make easy for my mission. Release the knot from my tongue, meaning make it easy for me to speak fluently. So they may understand my words. That's where we had stopped. We talked about the, the benefits of this dua and the fact that anytime you move to do something big, something great, the first thing you need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allow you to fully understand the magnitude of what you're doing. If you're not fully bought in, you're not fully, if the, product, if the project is not fully sold to you, if you're not really you know, feeling content about doing it, half-heartedly you can't get anywhere. Right? So that's the first thing is to remove half-heartedness. Whatever you want to do, you, can't, you have to be fully committed to it. Once you're committed to something, then life becomes so easy. Once you take on a job, you understand what it is, then wake up 4 a.m., 3 a.m., drive 100 miles for the job. Easy once you're committed to it. But if we, without commitment, things be, the smallest of things become difficult. And that's where Allah says, أَفَمَنْ شَارَحَ اللَّهُ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ can you imagine the one who Allah SWT expanded his chest for Islam? Islam makes sense to him. Then now he leads his life with direct nur from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what we want. We want to be so bought in with Islam that it makes complete sense to us. We feel completely content with it. And it's easy for us to make sacrifices. And then every decision we're to be doing, we'll be doing in, 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 the, in the light of the in the light of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْقَاسِيَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ مِنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Woe to those hearts that have become hardened and they do not remember Allah. أُولَٰئِكَ فِي ضَلَالِ مُبِينَ They are in open, clear error. Meaning the opposite of the one who's, this one whose heart is sold to Islam. He's done, he bought in Islam. He understands this is what it is. It's easy for him to make sacrifices. The opposite side of it is a heart that is hardened and doesn't take effect from Allah's words, Rasulullah's words and does not remember Allah, they are absolutely lost. So that's why we should be making dua, Allahumma shah sudurana lil-Islam, wa nawir qulubna bin nur al-Iman. Oh Allah, allow my heart to truly comprehend the magnitude of Islam. Allow me to understand. Once my beloved friends, 
it starts making sense to us. When Islam starts making sense to us, then sacrifice for Islam will become super easy. It's just a natural thing. Today we, we're focusing on sacrifice, not, you know, there's no discussion of sacrifice. There's no discussion about sacrifice. One Mawlana I was speaking to recently, SubhanAllah, he was, he was, Allahu Akbar, he was telling me, share, sharing his story about his studies in Madrasa life, how hard it was. And then unfortunately he got um, falsely accused uh, some years back and it was, you know, some missed, some, the prosecutors also don't even know why they prosecuted him. He was, and they threw him into jail for some time. And he was just telling me that SubhanAllah, like the madrasa years, the, the sacrifice I did while studying, memorizing Quran and studying Alam course was so much at such a young age. Literally he said, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to, able to handle prison. Right? What is that telling you? Then I told him, SubhanAllah, you, Allah has put you through so much sacrifice. I know for sure you've got a very amazing bright future for you. Allah didn't put you through all that for nothing. There's something great that's gonna happen, just like Musa salam. He went through so much sacrifice, so much difficulty. And the lesson is, if you, if you, you want to aim high, you want to do something great, no pain, no gain. Without going through some t- patches of difficulty, you cannot expect to simply go pluck the fruit. There must, there must be a time and era, what we call the Makki, Makki era and the Madani era. Before the end of Rasulullah's life, the Madani era which people look at, you gotta remember the Makki era. Our teachers would tell us, sometimes you students look at us at how we're being respected and honored, how people are coming with gifts, how people are sharing this with this and, and, and vying with one another to have us sit in their car, have, have, have subhanAllah, you know, have them uh, come to their home. And he said, you're looking at the end of our lives. Only if you knew how the beginning of our life was. And there's a saying in Arabic, مَن لَمْ تَكُنْ لَهُ بِدَايَةٌ مُحْرِقَةٌ لَمْ تَكُنْ لَهُ نِهَايَةٌ مُحْرِقَةٌ Whoever doesn't have, muhriqa means jalne wala, harq, burning. Whoever doesn't have a beginning that's filled with fire, meaning difficulty, a burning beginning, meaning a difficult beginning, lam takun nihaya mushriqa, he will not have a very lit ending. Right? He will not have a very lit ending. That's just part of, part of the system. You have to go through a lot of difficulty at the beginning, and then at the end, inshallah, we have something beautiful to look forward to. So, easy come, easy go. Something that starts off real quick, and out of nowhere, goes real high, that's actually not a good sign. Because if there's no effort, because what happens? If like a seed that goes deep into the ground, it takes a palm tree, a date tree. It's not like your, uh, what you call shrubs that you put on last year in your gar- in your, around your house. That thing even a little accidentally, your, your, your weed whacker will cut it. <laughs> Done, finish. But something, a seed of a, of a date palm tree, that's a tree that's, thing, subhanAllah, even the strongest of storms may not be able to uproot that. It's because why? Asluha thabit. Asluha thabit. The roots are very deep. And the branches are all the way in the, in the heavens. Allah gives the example of a believer. That a believer has deep roots. He's deep rooted. He doesn't go and move with the wind in the direction of the wind. Whatever, no matter what direction of the wind is, he stays firm. That's a believer. That's, you're looking at that palm tree. That's got really deep roots. And then and the, uh, the, he doesn't hide under the ground. The branches are above the ground and they continuously the, the branches continue to give you fruit with the permission of Allah all the time. Meaning a believer is of great benefit to those who are around him all day, every day, regardless of how tired he is, regardless of what season it is in, regardless of his financial situation, he is there to benefit to people. Subhanallah. So we are speaking about the fact that when a person, the Quran mentions this point many places, that being deep-rooted is a sign of deen, iman, goodness. 
and being very what we call satihi, very um, you know shallow. That's not a good sign. The example the Quran gives in the 13th juz, Allah gives. Allah gives the example of the uh, the banks of the river and the water that's flowing. Allah gives the example that there are certain things that fall to the bottom of the banks of the river. What falls in? Something that's heavy. Right in the ocean, what goes? What's where do you find seashells? Where do you find pearls? You don't find them floating around on the top, they're at the bottom. You have to have gawas, you have to have the shayateen. The jinnat used to work for there were jinns working for Sulaiman, they were expert divers, they dive into the ocean and bring out pearls for him. Right? That's what the Quran says. That's a power Sulaiman had. There were jinns went working for him, diving missions. Go get me a thousand pearls. Give me this, give me that. So where do you find pearls? They're at the bottom and it's very hard to get. And Allah says, What is at the top? At the top is garbage. What's at the top? Coke cans. Dirty diapers. This is what you see in dumps in the world. And may Allah, we can't. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala never put us through that. What so many people in the world are going through, which is dirty, unsanitized, unclean water. You've seen pictures of it. You might have seen videos. That's exactly what happens. Subhanallah. It's disgusting garbage that's flowing on top. So garbage flows on top, and that runs the show. If you look at it from far away, it seems that who's running the show? That's garbage, because that's what's floating on top. It's light. And it comes. And anything that's good, whatever is beneficial, it goes to the bottom. You don't see fish, which is beneficial fish that you want to eat. You don't see them floating on top. Correct? You got to go hunt for it. And, and garbage that you don't want, that floats on top. This is the example of the truth and falsehood. The falsehood will be famous. Falsehood will be at the top. Falsehood will always be high. Alright? But it has no strong foundation. And it just requires one, one broom of Allah and it'll be all gone. One broom of Allah. One, sh- one, one quick uh, you know, cleansing process. That's why the Quran gives the example of Ankabut. Allah says, The weakest house is the house of a spider. Those who worship gods besides Allah, they are like the Ankabut. They are like the spider. The spider makes a huge web. Our Ustad Mulan Chuksisa would say a person goes on vacation, comes back home, the spider web is taken over the garage, taken over the front entrance of the porch, etc., front door, and you see this huge cobweb. He comes back. What happens to the owner of the house? Does he get scared? Do you and all get scared when you see your home has a cobweb there? When you went out for vacation over the summer, you come back and see that? Instead, you say, Bhai Jalli, bring me a broom, bring me a stick, break me a branch from the outside. And you take it in one second, pew. And it took three months to build that spider web. And it's huge. But it takes you three seconds to destroy it. He would give the example that when Allah Azza wa wants to destroy this kufr, it will take not even a second. Instantaneously. Although it looks very powerful. It looks very beautiful. Spider web, very beautiful. Very attractive. And guess what? It, it thinks it's so mighty and powerful because it can catch what? Insects. It's like, wow, look, I got this today, I got that today, I got this. You can catch all insects you want, be my guest. But when the owner comes back, you're not going to stand a chance. So the only reason you're allowed to build that spider web is simply because the owner is not looking at you, he's not interested in you, because he's gone somewhere else. The only reason kufr 
can grow, and kufr can expand, and kufr can have its victims, and kufr can play its tricks and beautify itself, is because Allah, we can't say Allah is not looking at it, but Allah Azawajal is giving it time. You know, I'll let you, let's see how far you go. Let's see how far you go. Inna Allah la yumli al-dhalim. Indeed, Allah Azawajal gives respite to the oppressor. Until when He chooses to grab him, grasp him, take him to task, let me flit to He doesn't let him go. Subhanallah. What an amazing example. That this is what kufr is. It's spider web. It, 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 it seems big, smart, beautiful, attractive. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to destroy it, that's what it is. Similarly, all these examples that the Quran gives is that kufr and the people of kufr and the efforts of kufr, they stand out. They seem to be calling the shots, but they don't have a strong foundation. What has a strong foundation? Islam does. Deen does. It may not be the most famous, it may not be the strongest externally, but it's got the deepest roots. So we're seeing here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us here, is that there's a comparison of the one who, who's fallen in love with Islam. Sharah Allah Sadr Islam. He, he bought into Islam. What happens? Now he's deep-rooted. He understands Islam fully and for sacrifice becomes easy. We're talking about easy, yani deen that comes easily will also go away easily. And the deen that comes with sacrifice, that will stay long. That's why you see in madrasa and in, in the path of Allah and the mashayikh of, of tazkiyah, there's a whole aspect of riyadha, riyadha, spiritual exercises. Sit on the floor, seep on the floor. If you don't have hot water, no problem. Eat simple food. Break that nafs, break that nafs. Go serve, do khidmah. Today we live in an opposite world. We're told that no, subhanAllah, sacrifice, brother, take it easy. We can't do too much sacrifice. What I, and we, say, we talk about burnout. People are gonna get burnout. You're telling me 24 years of education in school with 400 to $800,000 of expenses, not burnout? That's not burnout? After six years of residency, another two years of fellowship, that's not burnout? You've burned through $800,000 in cash, or at least in loans. That's not burnout, huh? But subhanAllah, doing a little sacrifice for the deen, immediately everyone's like, brother, he's gonna burn out. I'm burning out, you're burning out. Really, who are we speaking to? This is Allah's deen. For the dunya, we do everything. Spend so much money, time, and energy, and we never burned out. We're always ready for more. Always ready for more. Just spend $5,000 on a vacation, family vacation, and we're already planning the next trip. Right? Because it's, it's dunya. No matter how much money you spend, a person, how many of you sitting here, go to a restaurant, $250 bill for the group of friends. You even don't even think twice. $250 for one meal that you will forget tomorrow morning what you ate. No, no questions. Done, here you go. Family of 10 is eating, at least that's what's gonna cost you. Friends of four eating, $100. No question asked. Just sign it off, here's a credit card, go. Sacrifice for dunya. That didn't, that one didn't grow on trees. You worked for that 250. You worked for that 100. But subhanAllah, when it comes to the experience. What experience? What was the experience? Experience, you, you, went, you tasted it, the taste lasted for 30 seconds. After that, it's gonna cause you some problems in the stomach and out the toilet, that's it. Subhanallah, for that experience, for that amount of time the food is in the mouth, a person is willing to pay $100 for 30 seconds of enjoyment. And that same thing you tell them, support an orphan for a year, it'll cost you $100. Brother, I gotta ask my wife if I can do that or not. Where is it? The sacrifice for akhirah, there's no concept of that. Any type of thing that goes against the nafs, we have to prepare ourselves. That's what the deen is based on sacrifice. If we cannot, if we cannot quietly after Isha go in, uh, being honest to say, if there's a bathroom is dirty, and to clean up, someone spilled something there, someone cleaned it up. If we feel like, no, I can't do that. We have a problem. No one should feel that this is below me. 
And so he said, this is my honor. Allah is using me for cleaning up someone else's mess in the bathroom so I can clean the house of Allah so when next, so next time someone comes to do wudu, the place is clean. That's what our deen teaches us. The more you lower yourself, the more you humble yourself, the more you put yourself, you tire yourself for the deen of Allah, the lucky you are. You're not doing ihsan upon anyone. You, you are not doing ihsan upon the deen. Allah says, لا تمنوا علي إسلامكم Do not boast your favors upon me. Allahu Akbar. Do not boast your favor that you have become a Muslim. Allah is the one who is the only one who has the right to boast his favor upon you. That he guided you to Iman. Right? Sayyidina, think about this. Allah doesn't need you and I. Allah doesn't need you and I. If, if you, any of us are allowed to do some level of khidmah and sacrifice for the deen, this is the blessing of Allah upon us that He chose us. So let us take these words out of our vocabulary when it comes to ourselves. Other people, you make ease for them. Let's, let's take the lead. Let's take the lead. Let's make more sacrifice than anyone around us. Alright? So, but when it comes to ourselves, don't allow this thought to come into mind. I'm burnt out. I've done too much. Kuyi loves it. I've done too much khidmat. Too much khidmat of deen. These statements are very dangerous because you're, you're speaking about to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When it comes to other people, take on their behalf. Try your best to take the load and burden from them. But let us never tell Allah Azza wa Jal, Ya Allah, you know I've really done a lot. And you know, I'm, I'm out. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can really push us all the way out. No, you want to take a break? How about this? I'll give you a break from Islam. I'll give you a break from Islam. And when you and I see this happening every single day, every single day we're meeting and seeing people who have left Islam. Five years ago, ten years ago, they were the strong Muslims. They have memorized the Quran whatnot. Today they're not Muslims. You're seeing this every day. Are you not? At least you hear it from me. We're seeing this every day. Ask your neighbors. Ask your children's classmates. They'll tell you what's going on in the university and how many of them have left Islam. So for Allah Azza wa Jalla to simply make a decision, you're out. It, brother, is over. So that's why don't keep on asking. Break from Allah. Instead say, Ya Allah, I want more. I want to serve the deen more. I want to be with you. I want to be where it's happening until I die. Then after that, it's break forever. Alhamdulillah. Allah, even if you want to do a sajda, you can. If you want to say subhanallah, you can. If you want to serve the deen somewhere, you cannot. But until that breath, last breath, this is the time to work. And this is the time to feel honored and special that he's taking this work from you. And, what, and then what? Forget about doing ihsan and, and claiming that we've done something with the deen. No, we have been taught that while you do the work and after the work, you feel scared, what if this doesn't get accepted? And that's what the Quran says. That majority of the night they would not sleep. My dear friends, not one night of 27 night, 29 night. Majority of the nights these Sahaba and these awliya do not sleep. They are doing ibadah. And in the morning time they're doing istighfar. Why are they doing istighfar? Because they're scared the way they spent their night in ibadah may not be to the level that Allah wants from them. Not that they sinned all night. They spend it in ibadah. But they're so scared that the quality of their ibadah is not what Allah wants. That is what the Quran says should be our lifestyle. That you give and give and give to Allah. Your wealth, your time, your energy, your resources, your mindset. And then at the end, you're always afraid that it might not be accepted. Subhanallah. Not allowing it to make you haughty, arrogant, or anything of that sort. But instead, humbled. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring these attributes within me and all of us. May Allah make us amongst those who give and give and give and give to, for the deen till our last breath. And may He allow us to always regard ourselves as the most insincere people while granting us the highest levels of sincerity. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. So Rabbi Shahdi Sadri is where he comes from. Mujahada for deen will come when we understand what deen is. That's why let us ask Allah for giving us, granting us the understanding of the deen. Right? Allahumma faqihna fi deen. Oh Allah, make us understand the deen. Then it will be easy for me to make sacrifices. And then I will encourage my spouse to make sacrifices. I will encourage my children to make sacrifices. Child will say, Baba, I'm too tired to get up for Fajr. You'll say, no, I'm too tired to go to the masjid. No, you, un- you can explain to him. But if we are not bought in to the whole concept of deeny sacrifice, how are we going to be able to convince our children? How are we going to be able to convince our spouses? After you bought in, next two, next thing, make my affairs easy. Number three, now if you have to speak, remove the, 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 the uh, speech impediment that, or the inability, some type of obstacles I have in formulating my thoughts and in presenting my thoughts because I want people to understand. So this dua, ulama have mentioned, this is not in hadith, experience of ulama, that if you are trying to convince someone about some aspect of the deen, anything, this is a dua to read before you speak to them. Uh, like you say, you have a meeting in 10 minutes. You keep on reciting this dua before you meet them. And then when you actually, when you're walking towards them, your eyes are meeting, this dua should be recited continuously in your mind. To the extent that when you sit down and you're speaking, this dua should continuously be going in your, in your heart, in your mind. Many brothers and sisters say they need to speak to their spouse about something, speak to their parents about something, speak to their children about something. Inshallah, utilize this dua. Right? Spend 10-15 minutes before that meeting, this is how you prepare for a prep. You're looking through your PowerPoints. And now you don't need to do a PowerPoint presentation. You need to focus on speaking to the one who controls the heart. Ya Allah, I'm going to do my job. But no one changes the heart besides you. So I, now you spend 10 minutes with Allah before you go into that meeting. And subhanAllah, that's the best preparation you can do. Is that you speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Next, he's asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَزِيرًا مِنْ أَهْلِي Appoint for me a minister for my family. I, I, I need someone from my family to go with me because this is a very tough job. So you can ask Allah Jalla Jalaluhu for help through giving you means of this world. That's not against Islam. So you're saying, Ya Allah, I need to do work, but for that, I need, we already talked about the, enough on the first part of the dua. So now you want to build a masjid, you want to build an institution, you want to do some great non-for-profit work. There's nothing wrong with you saying, Ya Allah, grant me the wealth for that. Grant me the means for that. There's nothing wrong with that. Here he's saying, he, didn't, he could have just said, Ya Allah, I got it done. Remove the, uh, the, the t- issue with my speech impediment and I'll take for own one-on-one. He says, no, Ya Allah, please can you give me a representative from my family, a helper. So there's nothing wrong with asking Allah to grant you help. That's not against tawakkul. Who? I want Harun. Ha- Harun, my brother. Okay, if you can please send him. Okay. What will I do? Ya Allah, affirm, affirm by him my strength. Uzr, Azri, my back. I want you to strengthen my back with him. I'm going up against a big battle. I need reinforcements. So I want you to please bring, send him with me so that he can be a source of assistance. You have heard this, that no brother ever helped another sibling. No man or no woman have ever helped their sibling more than Musa gifted Harun, the biggest gift and the biggest assistance. Through the barakah of Musa salam's dua, Allah granted Nabi Harun his prophethood. So he said, no prophet, no brother, no sister has ever helped their sibling the way Nabi Musa helped his elder brother, 
Harun alayhi salam by asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant him prophethood. Okay, so that's something amazing. So we learn from here. Is having supporting family members and having supporting siblings is a huge blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we don't have any siblings in the first place, we should ask Allah to grant us such friends who will play the role of siblings. And if we do have siblings, then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the same dua. That Ya Allah, allow my siblings to be supportive. Because they are with you, as they say, the longest. Siblings actually spend time with you the longest in your life. Um, and you know, as an individual, we can't do much. Our Ustad, Monana Shabir Sahib, our principal, one day he was giving me advice. And I was telling me, he said, listen, whatever you have, talents, you will never be able to serve the deen alone. You cannot simply focus on your talents. You have to always ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant you a strong uh, group of brothers and sisters who will be uh, assisting you in fulfilling whatever mission you have. Because a person, no matter how scholarly he may be, no matter how wise and righteous he may be, he cannot, this world is not meant to be working on your own. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's why granted Rasulullah who? Sahaba, companions. And they continued the message of Rasulullah from day one. So that's something, that if you all, all of us want to do some work of deen, we need to have siblings or friends who act like siblings who can help us achieve our goals. And so that's another dua we should be making on a regular basis. Many, many of you sitting here, mashallah, and many who came in this retreat were so, mashallah, energized, excited. Alhamdulillah, I've been receiving messages throughout the day, even right now. I want to, brothers planning to go back and start stuff in their own masjids. That's great, that jazbah is great, but we have to also along with that be making continuous certain type of du'as. Ya Allah, allow me to have such a group of people who can understand my fikr and concern and allow me to establish whatever I'm trying to establish. That's a very important thing. So Nabi Harun, he will affirm, he will affirm my strength. I mean, you will affirm my strength through him. And make him a partner in my mission. Beloved friends, that's why we have to have, you know, you can't choose your siblings. We can ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our siblings someone who, sh who shares our mission. But who can you choose? Your spouse. That's why when choosing a spouse, find a spouse that can share your mission. A life becomes so much easier. When you have a husband and wife on the same page. And together you can work to achieve what you want to achieve. Siblings, you're going to make dua for them, effort, kindness, love, and so forth. But a spouse, many times a person makes a, makes a mistake by, or I should say, makes a decision whereby they're focusing on only one aspect of a spousal relationship. And then they later on realize that my spouse unfortunately doesn't see eye to eye on my mission. And so now every single day, it is a huge issue. Now what do you do on that case? Well then you make sabr, and we've been talking about that in many of our talks. You make patience, you make dua to Allah change his or her heart. And if, if his or her heart doesn't change, then realize that this the fact that our spouse is not supporting us in our mission is just like Nabi Lut and Nabi Nuh not being supported by their spouse in their mission but it's wet much 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 less than that because they were mushrik Alhamdulillah no one's married to a mushrik here right so if our spouse was, is not necessarily supporting you in your efforts of deen it's still way easier than what Nabi Lut and Nabi Nuh were tested and so if they were not bad people Nabi Lut and Nabi they were the best of the best and Allah chose to increase their status by putting them through that test so then you can understand that that's possibly your test and possibly your gateway to paradise that Allah gave you a spouse that doesn't see eye to eye with you. And that you just keep on remaining firm on your path, on your mission, on your journey, while being patient and understanding and having the good character. Because if, if anything's gonna change someone, it's not gonna be long lectures and talks, it's gonna be good character. Good character is what's gonna affect a person. So keep in mind that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, marriages take place for four reasons. 
wealth and beauty and uh, lineage and deen. So when you're looking for spouses for your children, okay, both boys and girls, make sure always that we keep on highlighting this aspect. And young men and women who are listening to me, again, this is a theme that I always focus on. Because if you, ha- if you make the right decision, you only have one chance. If you make a right decision, inshallah, you will, you'll enjoy the fruits of it for long, for many decades, forever actually, even in the hereafter. So here he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make him a partner in his mission. So we should be making dua this not only for our siblings, also for our spouses. And for those who are not married, make dua that Ya Allah allow me to find such a spouse who can share my mission. What, what should we do? Allahu Akbar. What do me and my brother? My brother and I, how are we going to go camp together and walk together and hike together? Such that together we may exalt you much. Amazing. Together we're going to make a lot of dhikr. Brother and I, we, this, is what, this is what brothers are for. Or brothers are for what? What is husband and wife for? What are siblings for? To push one another towards goodness. And that is not happening today. They're pushing each other towards everything but khair. How many siblings are, 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 are lucky enough to have siblings who are pushing them towards deen? To help each other in homework, help each other in job resumes, help each other with arranging this party, that party. But how many are saying that as a sibling, as an older or younger sister or brother, I care about your deen and I'm gonna make effort Otherwise, it's lakum deenukum waliyadeen. You have your deen, I have my deen. But I don't, I don't involve, I don't put my nose in your business, don't put your nose in my business. This is not putting nose in business. This is what brothers do. This is what sisters do. We care about each other's deen. It's not, this is not that we sit there, have a big nice party, and then call it a night. You don't even get up for Fajr or Asr, I'm, I'm gonna wake up for Tahajjud at 2 a.m. and pray while my own sibling is missing everything. That's not love, man. What is, what is we, don't, we all have enough food at home. We don't need each other's food. We have enough stuff. What's the point of the parties? What's the point of get-togethers if we don't care about each other's deen? That's what real love is. All of this non-parties and exchanging of gifts and all that, it's gonna be of no benefit in the grave, no benefit in the hereafter. What will benefit is your care and love for your sibling that you go out of your way even though they don't wanna hear you and they don't care about what you've got to say. But you say, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm gonna try every single trick in the book to bring you closer to the deen, to bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, without them even knowing what you're doing. But you are thinking of different ways of how you're gonna get something. How, 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 how that same young man, when he wants to get married to someone, how he comes up with all the 101 tricks for that. Let me speak to this one, let me speak to that one. Let me find someone who knows someone who knows someone who can speak to her. Yes? So many tricks of the book they use to be able to get married to someone. Why can we not use 50% of those tricks to bring our deen into our siblings? Lean into our cousins, lean into our friends. This is true sisterhood, true brotherhood, true friendship. And this is what you call silatul rahim, taking care of your relatives. By all means, we must feed one another. By all means, we need to share gifts with one another. By all means, we should call each other regularly. But the goal should always be, the last thing I want to know is I'm, I'm somewhere and they're somewhere tomorrow. As mentioned in the Quran, a person will be in Jannah and then he will be saying, this part is mentioned in Hadith. Where's my friend? And they will say, look, 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 can't feed my friend? And then he'll say, okay, why don't you look on the other side? So he will walk towards hellfire. فَطَّلَعَ And he will peek over. فَرَاهُ فِي سَوَاءِ الْجَحِيمِ He will see him in the midst of Jahannam. His best friend. إِنَّ لِي كَانَ لِي فَطَّلَعَ فَرَاهُ فِي سَوَاءِ الْجَحِيمِ He will be speaking to him. Oh my friend. 
Kittalaturdeen, I swear you are about to, you are so close to also misleading me. You were so close to misleading me. And if it wasn't for the blessings of my Lord upon me, I would also be with you in Jahannam right now. So all of this, you know, friendships that we have from school, how many brothers here, elders here, have got friends from high school, from college days. You have your reunions. You have your alumni get-togethers. That's all great. That's all fine and dandy. Do that. But if we are not caring about our old school friends for their deen, their akhirah, then the notice will come, he's dead, she's dead. And then when they do get the notice, you're dead. What's going to happen in the qabr and akhirah? That's the question. If we love our classmates, if we love our old friends, go connect with them. And figure out ways of how you can bring them towards Islam. I don't know if you'll be successful. Musa salam obviously was not successful in giving Islam to Fir'aun, meaning Allah didn't intend that. So it didn't happen. But look at the effort. Look at the whole story. Tens of places in the Quran is mentioned. Musa is successful. Fir'aun wasn't successful. Musa is successful. Why? Because he did his job. Results are not in our hands. We are not in control of the results. Our job is, did we work hard or not? And that's what we learn here, is to work on our friends and siblings. Beloved friends, take this fikr from here, from this tafsir today. That go make a list of all your old friends. And every time, you, how many of us are invited to? Dozens of shadis, parties, graduations, every weekend. How many of us are making this fikr? Yari mera dost hai. My friend, iski beti ko dekhe. He's coming in with his daughter, la ilaha illallah. As, a, as, an, as an uncle to the daughter, you have to lower your gaze out of shame. Who's going to make fikr for that daughter? Treat her like your own. Don't just go badmouth her. Think about it. What can I do to bring this girl to closer to the deen? You see a person walking in with his son to your party. You're hosting the party. And you see the tamasha, what's happening in front of you. Allahu Akbar. When you see that, you should feel with pain. Let, me, let the party be finished. And let me sit down. Invite this person for a one-on-one. -on -one. My dear friends, so much money is being spent on one another's parties today. What, graduation party, aqiqah party, walima party, and then a bunch of other Hindu ritual parties. All of that stuff. Khilare, toast, toske. Forcing each other, seven star, seven course meal. But the asal jo maqsad the real thing, I don't need food. You don't need food. But I need you to care about my deen and you need, I need to care about your deen. That's missing in our community. If everyone started making fikr about each other's deen and the children, each other's children, we would be a whole different place. Kidney admi fikr karta hai. I'm having an event. And I need to make sure all my seats are filled. And everyone comes. And they should feel special and honored. These people, my guest list should come to the masjid. My guest list should come here. And I'm going to spend money. I'm going to say, Bhai, then I'll take you out to eat. You come and we'll have dinner here. I remember there were brothers like this, mashallah. They'd come here from far, and far places. They'd attend the weekly programs here and then go out to eat. They'd bring every single week new people coming in. This is why Allah gave us money. This is why Allah gave us intelligence, to utilize it for the fikr of deen. Do all the other festivities that are halal, in a halal manner. But the concern should be, how can I utilize this... Allahu Akbar, a jeep story I just remembered. Rasulullah is invited to eat. Rasulullah is invited to eat at a house. That man, I'm forgetting his name, he came back from a business trip. And he was successful, he was had a good business trip, successful business trip. And he invited Rasulullah to eat. 
Dawate, enjoy by cow. Nabi Sallallahu doesn't have, he's not eating a lot, he doesn't have a lot of things available at his disposal. He should sit there and mazis enjoy it. Iske bajai, what does Rasul do? Thank you for inviting me, but I'm not gonna eat. Why are you not gonna eat? Until you recite the kalima. Until you recite the kalima, Uqba ibn Abi Mu'eeth, and Ubayya ibn Khalf story this is. He, I'm not gonna eat. I, I have, you know, like I'm saying this, I have enough food. What is, if you want to make my ikram, you want to honor me, there's nothing going to honor me more than you saying La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah because I would have become a means of you, of you being saved from Jahannam. That's what I want to see. I don't need gifts, I don't need anything else. I need you to see, say La ilaha illallah and come towards Islam. So he was caught in this difficult situation. You have an honorable person from Makkah sitting there saying, I'm not going to eat in front of all the other guests until you say the kalima. So then he looked at his friend and what should I do? He said, okay, forget it, man. Let me just say, chalo. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasul. Ashadu la ilaha illallah annaka Rasulullah. I bear witness, you are Rasul of Allah. He, Rasul Salam, alhamdulillah, got happy and he ate. Story ended there. Now, this is why you talk about having bad friends in your party. This guy, he, he was the host, right? He was the host. This is such an amazing story, it just came to my mind. He was the host. He's, he wanted to please his guests. He said the kalima. Game over, story over, Rasulullah ate, you saved yourself from Jahannam, Alhamdulillah, what a good night. Lekin baas dafa na, the sabse bade dushman joe, wo dost wa So-called dost, ni wallahi de, Allah khillahu yawma idhan ba'adhum li ba'adhin a'adhum. Allah says, friends will be enemies for one another on the day of judgment, illa al-muttaqeen, except for those friends who have taqwa. Otherwise, all friends, Allah khillahu, all friends, ba'adhum li ba'adhin, will be for each other, a'adhu, enemies. Except for those who have taqwa. Your whole guest list, they're going to be enemies. If they don't follow deen and you don't follow deen. If they didn't push you towards deen and you didn't push them towards deen, khalas. On the day of judgment, Ya Allah, isna jo mehde daz dafa khana ghar pe khilaya. Ek dafa hi nahi kaha, chalo bhai isha ke liye chalo. Ten times he invited me to house and I ate. Not once did he tell me, it's isha time, let's go pray. Not once. He says, aap log ghar pe, jisko padna hai, ghar pe ja ke padle. Whoever needs to pray, pray at home. This will become the means of punishment tomorrow on the day of judgment. Okay, then why did you sit there and smile at me? Why did you invite me? Why did you spend money on me when you saw me being deviated? And you didn't care about me. This is what the Quran is talking about. The majority of friends out in, outside in the world are not pushing one another towards deen. They're simply enjoying the whole you know, entertainment business together. That's it. There's no fikr for deen. And this is gonna lead to enmity. So this person, unfortunately, on his guest list, he was very unlucky. He had Umayyah ibn Khalf. Umayyah ibn Khalf told him, he got mad. He said, how dare you could say, Ashadu la ilaha illallah. Bhai, aapki dawat, aap jo kare, karne do. Use your dawat. Like example of today, you do a dawat, and you decide to have separation between genders. You decide not to have the bride and the groom walk down together in front of the whole public. You decide not to have some, you know, Bollywood, Hollywood representations of the movies in your dawat. You decide to have, subhanAllah, Maghrib and Isha perform salah on time. You decide to have, you know, nasheeds playing instead of music. You decide not to have dancing. La ilaha illallah. Okay, that's your wedding. You're footing the bill. You're paying for everything. Let you do what you ever want to do. But you will see there will be people within your guest list who will be so mad. Say, how dare you become a mullah? What was wrong with you? Why are you doing all of this stuff? And it's like, bhai, I didn't force you to do your marriage in a certain manner. This is my dawat. Why are you forcing your way upon me? But that's what it is. They will. They will. And now you have an option. Either you cave in and you say, oh man, I'm under pressure. Or you say, I'm sorry. I love you. You're my friend. But there's no one who I love more than Allah and His Rasul. And I will not, shall not, break the heart of my Rasul 
or make Allah angry at me to please you. Because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the biggest fool is the one who ruins his hereafter for someone else's dunya. The biggest fool is the one who ruins his hereafter, and of course the other guy's hereafter too, but more importantly, your own hereafter, to please, to make someone else's dunya. Man dunya So what did Umayyah ibn Khal tell him? He said, I will not, I'm your friend, right? He started blackmailing him, emotional blackmail. He said, I will not be your friend anymore until you make kufr and disbelieve in Rasulullah He said, no man, come on. He kept on pressuring him. Eventually, he just told him, you know, friends got pressure. He said, okay, but he said, I was just joking. I just said it to please him. I mean, why would I believe in him? That was just so that I don't look like a fool. A guest walk out of my house without eating. So I said that. Allahu Akbar. He wasn't having it. He said, I don't believe you. So what do you want me to do? Go and you go spit on Nabi Sallallahu face. Until you don't spit on his face, my friendship is done. Allahu Akbar. And that's what evil friendship does. And exactly what Uqba ibn Wa'id did. He went and he went and spat on Al-Ayyadu Billah Rasulullah's face. Allah mentions this in Quran without name. Because why? The beauty of the Quran is that it applies to all such scenarios. And Allah says that a day will come on the day of judgment. What is it? What is it? I'm forgetting. Okay. Um, there you go. First page of 19th Jews. That is the day when the oppressor will be biting and chewing, not his fingertips. When we get nervous, we bite our fingertips. Allah says this person will be chewing his hands. That's a level of nervousness. You put your hand down your throat and you're chewing it. He will be chewing his hands out of desperation, out of nervousness, out of anger. What will he be saying? He will say, I wish, how I wish, I wish I had never taken this man as my friend. This man, he's misled me after the remembrance of Allah came to me. After he died, came to me, I had accepted Islam. I had fallen in love with Islam. Islam had opened up onto me. I was following the deen. And this man came and grabbed me away. And shaitan, on the day of judgment, and even today, khadula means the biggest forsaker. So who is your friend? He's actually shaitan in the form of your friend. Who is that spouse? Shaitan in the form of your spouse. Who is that sibling? Shaitan in the form of your sibling. Who is that parent? Shaitan in the form of your parent. Who is that beautiful princess or son or daughter? That's shaitan in the form of these people. And any such person who's super close to you and begins to mislead you is definitely a shaitan. And what's, or shaitan is using him. And khadula means the biggest forsaker. I'm out. Look at two friends who, 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 who do a, some type of problem together, mess up, and the police show up. How they quickly rat each other out? It was him. You don't even need police. When mom and dad come up, they'll say, oh, it's him. Uh, imagine the horror of the day of judgment. You think your friend is going to stick up for you? Oh man, I'm the one who actually told him to do the wedding like this. I'm the one who told us to, to not send his kids to the deen. I'm the one who said this. No, my friend. Nafsi, nafsi ka alam. Jab nabi nafsi, nafsi When every prophet is saying, please save me, ya Allah, you think Fusak and Fujar of the world are going to be saying, I got him. No, I, no, no, I'm standing up for you. 
No one's going to stand up for one another. No one will. Every man for himself. Only the person who can stand up for us is our Nabi. So this is what, subhanAllah, what we need to understand here is this ayah applies to today as well. Any type of company that we keep, that's why it's so important. Take care of the kids, who, take care of the friendships you have. My beloved friends, as adults, I think we are, we are more in need of this advice than our youngsters. Because now our, our, we are closer to the grave than our children. There could be, inshallah, they'll get hidayah, maybe if not today, tomorrow, next decade, they'll get hidayah, inshallah, we can have the hope. But we're getting older. Our beards have become white, we're, we're getting arthritis, we got this, that, all sorts of problems. SubhanAllah. And right now, if we don't surround ourselves by good company, this bad company will destroy us. I remember once, a lady on the day of Eid crying and said, in Ramadan, I made niyyah to start covering myself up and started wearing hijab and then I started wearing niqab. But subhanAllah, on the day of Eid, the other women of the community who hadn't seen my reformation or change during Ramadan came and literally pulled my scarf off, scarf off and said, how dare you? How dare you? Why are you all become acting pious like this? Right, on the day of Eid. So the, some physically will do this and some will say it to you through taunts. You start sending your kid to the madrasa, you start sending him to maktab, you start attending regular sessions, you start inviting people to programs. Are bhai, kya ho gaya? Take it easy. I know this happened. Many of you have told me that you've been ostracized by your own friend circle every time you invite them towards the deen. And so be it. At least you got to know who your friends are. Now, that doesn't mean you leave them. You make dua for such people who are ostracizing you and who've gotten turned off. But our job is the job of the prophets. Musa alayhi story is our story because we're not part of the ummah of Musa alayhi We're part of the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so the aspect of da'wah is super duper applicable for us. So what are our friends gonna do together? What are two brothers gonna do together? kafira. We're gonna do tasbih together. That's what we're gonna do. And together we will remember you much. So tasbih and dhikr have been mentioned separately. Remembering Allah and doing tasbih of Allah, you recite Quran together, do la ilaha illallah together, do istighfar together, do uh, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar together, do morning and evening duas together, do muraqaba and, 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 and muhasaba together. All different forms of dhikr and tasbih, do it together. Notice, together. That tells us that when we do things together, obviously it becomes easy. Right? So as a husband and wife, parents and children, if we pray salah together, it's obviously not only easy, but it's much more rewarding. Similarly, the emphasis on dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we need to start and continue doing dhikr of Allah in our homes together. You've all been part of this dhikr majlis that we've been doing in the retreat and after tafsir, you know, etc. Alhamdulillah, it gives you the motivation to, when you go home to do it the same. Do a'mal together. That's how strength comes. When a, child, when a child says, nah, I don't want to, I'll do it on my own. I'm not saying force that child. But realize you've got a problem. Because naturally our children should gravitate towards taking Allah's name. You want to take Allah's name? If you say, Baba, Beta, let's go watch something. Oh, he'll be the first one you know it before you're there. Say, let's do dhikr of Allah together. No, I'll do it afterwards. Thank you. So now, why is this happening? That means that shaitan is putting waswasas in the heart. The darkness is, is increasing of the heart. So now, I'm not saying you force that child. But come up with a method. Come up with a way to say, okay, let's go, to the, let's go to the park, let's go to the library, let's go to eat ice cream or whatever. And then you're sitting in the car, the mood is better. Now what you do? Do dhikr in the car. Come up with a method. You got to fit it in. You got to be smart. How are you going to fit dhikr of Allah into your child's life? If they refuse to do it sitting at home, Come up with them. It's totally worth it to spend an hour or a half hour and go on a drive. But the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs to come in. 
this fikr needs to come into the mom and dad. And when we start doing things collectively, what will happen? They will become easy. Okay. Ever indeed have you seen all that is within us? Ajib. Oh Allah, you know me, you know my brother very well. You know our strengths, you know our weaknesses. We have been created by you. We have been created by you, you know exactly what we need. What a way to end this dua. Innaka kunta bina basira. Qala qad utita su'laka ya Musa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, O oh Musa, you have been granted your request. So we are seeing here that even asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for prophethood for your brother is not off the charts crazy, outlandish. No dua is outlandish. Make great dua. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa he asked one sahabi who did his khidmah. He served him. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, okay, ask me for dua. I'll make dua for you. What do you want? What did he say? He said, or Jannah. I want to be with you in Jannah. Allahu Akbar. What a dua. I want to be in Jannah and I, be, I want to be with you in Jannah. Nabi Sallallahu didn't say, who, you and me? Come on. I mean, what kind of, yeah, pucho, Urdu me kida, apne okaat ko jano, yeah, kya kya roho, kya pucho Who are you? What are you asking? Like, realize, like, who you are and who am I? Nabi Sallallahu just said, aini alayhi ala dhalika bi kathratu sujood, o kama qala alayhi salam. Help me achieve your goal by doing a lot of sajda. If you want to achieve this dua, okay, may dua karunga, I'll make dua, but I'll be dua istimal karo. Right? I'm gonna do the dua and you're gonna do the dawa, the medicine. What is the medicine? Do a lot of sajda. So we all want hidayah, do we not? But unfortunately, we always just say, dua karo, dua karo, tufi, inshallah, dua. It's not sufficient for dua request. We also have to do dua, utilize the means for that. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhanAllah is telling Musa salam here, that I am granting you a dua that you have asked, and others as well, don't give up. You can ask great things from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says, And very truly, we have conferred favor upon you another time long ago. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, ye to, ye, ye, This dua, you asked me and I gave it to you. Guess what? I've given to you in the past without you even asking me. And is this only for Musa? Absolutely not. This is for all of us who are listening. That every single one of us, Allah has given us unbelievable amount of blessings without any of us asking it. Our eyes and our ears, our hands and our feet, our mind, our tongue, our teeth, our ability to taste, our ability to smell, our ability to hold, our ability to digest our food, our ability to comprehend things, our ability to explain things, our ability to have emotions, ability to understand other people's emotions. Subhanallah. Every single organ, every single cell in the body, the continuous various processes that are happening, the neurological processes that are happening, the, 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 the processes that are taking place within the GI tract, the processes that are happening, subhanAllah, within the nervous system, all of these things, the respiratory system, these are all things that we never asked for, we never demanded, we never requested, we never prayed to Allah Azza wa Jal for, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala poured it upon us, showered upon us from the time of our inception till now. No, no, not even from the time of inception. The fact that Allah chose us to be even born, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose us to have parents and chose the parents for us and then chose us to make it through nine months healthy and alive and allowed us to come out the way we are today. La ilaha illallah. From that time onwards till now until the akhirah. It's blessing upon blessing. So that Allah who has granted you and I without asking, why should any one of us think that He will not grant us after we ask Him? 
that Allah who has granted us after we've asked Him, why, without asking, why should anyone else think that He will not grant us what we are asking? Isn't that beautiful? Think about that. Let that sink in. Have this conviction and yaqeen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will definitely be granting us many things. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Addu'a'u mukhal ibadah. Dua is the essence of ibadah. Right? Dua'u, addu'a huwa al-ibadah. Dua is ibadah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes happy when, the one, when a person asks. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets upset when a servant doesn't ask. That's what the poet says. That Allahu yaghdabu in tarakta su'alahu. Allah gets angry when you stop asking him. Allah what? Gets angry when you stop asking him. This small son of Adam, he gets angry if you even ask him once. That's what they're saying. Al-Qardu miqrad al-Mahabba. Asking alone, Qard miqrad. Same letters. Qaf ra dad. Asking for a loan or borrowing something from someone is a scissor for the ties of love. Isn't that true? <laughs> Right? Like, I know we're friends, but not that much, right? That's crazy, right? Al-Qardu miqrad al-Mahabba. Asking for a loan or, bar- or le- borrowing something is the scissor for, this, for the bonds of Mahabba and love. That's human beings. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah jalla jalla loves when a person asks. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh Musa, I've already done this to you before. I have showered. What did he do? Behold, we reveal to your mother what was to be revealed of our decree. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He sent revelation to, to the mother of Musa. What type of revelation is this? There's two, three types of revelation. First type, we can say is, the more well-known one is Wahyur Risala. The revelation that is of the prophethood, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends through Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, or through other means, but this is, the re- this is the revelation, this is the wahi of Risala of prophethood. That's obviously not one meant over here, in this case. Musa's mother was not a prophet. Uh, there are many verses to explain that. We have never sent before you, O Muhammad, any Rasul or messenger except for men. So women have not been given that. And it's so interesting what ulama have said. Ajib. Allahu Akbar. That prophet, from amongst the many wisdoms of why women have not been given prophethood, it's another whole discussion, which I'm not planning to open it up right now, but I'm just sharing one point just that came to mind, is that as a prophet, you have to be physically strong, okay, of course, and you have to be emotionally strong to be able to handle all the oppression and stuff at the hands of the people. Physically strong, emotionally strong, mentally strong, spiritually strong, along all of those things. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like, like how men have, until most recently, were the only ones who were chosen to be in front lines of combat. Right? That's for centuries, that's how it has been. So, Anbiya, they have the most difficult, they have the difficult job, hence this was given to men to do that very difficult job. But beyond that, the scholars of tafsir have written that a prophet has to be in the public's eye. Has to be amongst the public all the time. And this is not mula'im, munasib, or not befitting the role of a woman. Ajib. Today, it's complete opposite. They said, no, if the man is giving a speech from the podium in front of everyone, the women must do, to, must do as well to have equality. It's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Mark my words. That not in Bidhnillah Ta'ala, never in your life and your children's life and grandchildren's life, inshallah, in this masjid and, and the other masajid, but there will be places where that podium 
will have one day, one week male, one week female. And this already, I've told you before, has already started about six or eight years ago, six years ago in certain universities of this country. You know the style of khutbah we have over here? Where we have the bayan lecture first and then the Arabic khutbah. So some universities said, oh, we got to go all traditional. We want to make sure Arabic, the khutbah remains only in Arabic. And we want to have an English talk. Oh, wow, mashallah, MSA being so traditional, what happened? Okay, then we have a bayan roster, lecture roster. One week female, one week male. One week female, one week male. So that's why they already have arrived now, from five years ago. So it's just a matter of time where that becomes the Arabic khutbah too. And then a matter of time when it comes to salah. If we, if we cannot have a conference complete without male and female speaking together, at a joint audience, male and female speaking together, next to each other, or separately, whatever the case may be. But the idea is that it is not a conference, it's not a proper conference until either a woman begins the conference with her recitation, or a woman is addressing all the men and women in a mixed gathering. Otherwise, it's not a national conference. It can't be like, it can't be the mainstream. Then where are we headed? Give it a few years' time, and subhanAllah, everything else that you think will never happen will happen as well. The fact that this is written in the books of tafsir hundreds of years ago, that a Nabi has to be in the front of the public, and this is not befitting the role of a, a, a woman to be out in front of men. That is why, this is one of the wisdoms why prophethood has not been given to them. Just food for thought. SubhanAllah, may Allah grant us the understanding of what was just said. And may Allah save us from the waswasas of shaitan. Okay, this is what it is. It is. It's a waswas of shaitan. People, people. Deen hasn't changed. We have changed. One of the panelists here on the other day, Saturday, he said, he was asked by a news reporter, what is your opinion on a certain controversial issue? And he said, what Islam's stance was. And he's, he's, the response of the reporter was, what, you guys haven't changed yet? Because that's what the Christian and Jewish response was a few decades ago. But they've all changed. You all haven't changed yet? That's what's happening. The deen is the same. We are changing. These type of doubts, these type of ideas that are flirting around right now in our community, they were never there three decades ago. No one even suggested this. It all happened within this past two decades. And what's to come is much worse. Because we are now doing what Rasulullah prophesied. We're following the footsteps of the disbelievers. If they go into a lizard hole, as foolish as that may seem, you're going to do the exact same thing. That's what he told us. And so now the leaders and the knowledgeable people, except for the few who Allah protected, are going in that same direction. Whatever others are doing, we have to do it. So what I say may seem to you harsh, but I swear if my voice, if this was recorded and were to go back in time 20 years ago, I could give this talk in Eid and no one would have a problem. I could give this talk in Eid in any masjid in this country, probably, and people, or let's say 30 years, so let me take it a little bit safe. 35, 85, 1985. No one, everyone be, you know, will be shaking their heads like, mashallah, great khutbah. Yeah, it makes sense, perfect. Like, why do you even speak about this? Well, I don't understand, what could be the alternative? Like, really? Exactly. Ask anyone who from the 80s and the 70s who used to go attend khutbahs, ask them. What I'm saying, are these ideas foreign? They're not foreign. Well, we have come up with this foreign to Islam. But, we, but batil has made it so popular and common that we begin to think that this is what deen is. And subhanAllah, we think that's what Nabi Wasallam would have done if he was here now. Kitni bari jurat, Allahu Akbar. Kitni bari jurat. Like how dare you in the face of Wasallam? Seriously. I ask myself and you, for us to say Nabi Wasallam would have come here? Ask yourself, the way our conferences are set up, our Jummahs in many places are set up, you really think Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam could ascend the member and speak to a crowd like that based on how men and women are dressing, coming to the masjid, how close they're sitting, what is the interaction? This is a different Islam, my friend. I don't know what Islam, I don't know what Nabi you're speaking about. The Nabi I have studied would never, never be cool with that. 
And if you cleanse your heart, get out of society, go out from your normal society, get off of all chats, websites, this, that, get off of technology for even a few months like Imam Ghazali did for 10 years. Don't do it for 10 years. Do it for like 3 months, 2 months. Go, into, go spend time with a shaykh, a proper, proper kamil shaykh who's connected with Allah Azza wa Jal. Spend time with him. And then you come back and listen to this talk again. And then you tell me if it makes sense or not. Really, that's what it is. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you and I istiqamah, steadfastness, firasa, farsight. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to see the makar of shaitan. May He allow us to see the makar of shaitan from a million miles away. May he allow us to see the deceptive methods shaitan is using to mislead us. And then may he take, allow us to take all these steps needed to protect ourselves. Say ameen. This is the dua I make every single day in your, every day in your dua. I make this dua what I'm telling you. Ya Allah, allow me to see the deceptive methods of shaitan against me. And my family and the ummah. And allow the ummah, myself and my family to take the precautionary measures to protect ourselves. Recently, this discussion came about the age of Rasulullah's marriage with the, with, the, with the acquaintance. And the issue was, oh, you tell me what my age. Brother, it is what it is. Six and nine. Oh, but serious, you can't be believing that. No, I do believe that. But there's, there are other opinions. Well, those opinions are shad. They're opinions that are not very mainstream. They were never mainstream. Although the new Sira books are trying to make that mainstream and the new articles being written on this topic are trying to make all that mainstream. So, uh, what did it say? Well, I'm very happy, he says, that now it's being critically analyzed. So critical analysis did not, was not found in the past 15 years, 15 centuries of Islamic, uh, Islamic knowledge and Islamic uh, you know, literature. That's pretty scary, right? Like, I don't think we have anything to stand for as Muslims. If 15 years, 15 centuries, all the scholars and the people who preserved and protected the Qur'an were all hollow, shallow-minded people. That it took the 21st century to bring enlightened critical thinkers. Okay, then I said, leave all this discussion of the Sanad and this and that. But why wasn't this question raised in the time, not 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12th century? No. Why wasn't this question raised during the time of the Prophet Tell me that. Why can we not find any description anywhere in the Quran or in Hadith or in history books that the Kuffar of that time or the Kuffar within the next century found this to be absolutely repulsive and they started accusing Rasulullah of XYZ? Why not? Why is it only that you find this by the Orientalists, non-Muslims, Islamophobes, and then now, mashallah, the Muslims have accepted this narrative. Say, this doesn't sit with me well. Aj, this doesn't sit with you well. Tomorrow you'll see what doesn't sit with you well. This is a really important point I'm saying right now. I'm telling you, we don't have a future. We, our own Islam is completely, and our children's Islam is absolutely in jeopardy if you're falling into this lizard hole right now. If you, if you and I are one of those people who say, I'm sorry brother, this doesn't settle well with me. Why doesn't it settle with you? Because it's society doesn't accept that today. Well, guess what? Society is not going to accept anything that we do very soon. The most dominant religion will be the Jali tradition, the Jali religion. That's what's going to be. How are you going to handle that? How are your kids and grandkids going to handle that? If today anything that is not against what is against what they teach in school is making you allergic, making you not proud of your deen. I'm not saying go talk about this everywhere. But if someone brings it up to you, I, the, the answer is, Brother, our deen is much greater than this. Do you believe Rasulullah is a true prophet of Allah? Answer that. Yes, he is. He received revelation? Answer that. Yes, he did. Okay, fine. If he's a true prophet of Allah, did he tell you about Jannah? Do you believe what he said about Jannah? Yes. What about Jahannam? Yes. What about whatever is preserved in the Quran? Is that true? Yes. What he spoke about the unseen, is that true? Okay, fine. 
okay, whatever happens, this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's making this, the sunrise and the sunset. Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's gonna make the winds change, is the one who makes the weather change. Yes, yes to everything you say. Allah is complete control of everything. So you're telling me there is a representative of a prophet who did something that is unacceptable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning let's say those historical narrations are true, that he did get married at that age. Why, where does the problem come? If Allah chose for his prophet to get married to this many number of wives at this age is, but what's your problem about that? That's Allah. Yes, either say you have a problem with Allah and Islam. Oh, I have no issue then, because you can attack Islam as an outsider as much as you want. But once you came into Islam, you have no right to attack. When you've accepted Allah and His Rasul, done. Story closed and accept it. And say whatever Allah willed is, is what's happening. If it doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't have to make sense to you. Who said every aspect of deen must make sense to you? Can you explain taqdeer fully? We can try to explain in two hours or 20 hours or 20 years. But what does Imam Tahawi says in his Aqid Tahawiyah? Sirun, it's a secret from the secrets of Allah that Allah has not ever shared with anyone. The reality of it is that no one will truly understand what taqdeer is. Absolutely. You'll give a different ways of explaining it, but eventually until, you're, until you stop asking. Duck. But if you open up the can of worms for taqdeer and say, no, I'm not gonna move until I fully, fully understand it. It's not gonna work. So that's what Iman bil ghayb is, believing in the unseen, is that we must believe that there is a certain level of, of things that are intellectually understandable, for capable for my intellect, intellect, and after that it stops. And that's where Iman bil ghayb comes in. If every single thing was absolutely sensible, then there would be no such thing as Iman bil ghayb. If you were allowed to see God, you're allowed to see angels, you're allowed to see hellfire and paradise, where's the whole test? Where's the whole aspect of our belief in the unseen? So we have to believe in Allah and the power of Allah without seeing it, with, you know, with our naked eyes. There you go, this is a very important point. I fear for myself, my children, and so should you. This is a really important point. That's why listen attentively to what your kids talk. Bring these, broach these topics up and see what is their knee-jerk response to things. Quiet, just watch, don't react. And see what's there going. Keep on doing this, like you, you keep on checking your oil, you keep on checking your gas, keep on checking the level of blind faith of your children. Bring out topics like this, briefly, and to see what is the response on the face? What is the facial expression of my son or daughter when I bring this up? Are they absolutely okay and calm? Yeah, it is what it is. Or are they cringing? Or they say, ah, I'm not sure about that. And if that's what you got a problem, if you're seeing that, then you know shaitan has already has put, started putting his poison into them. And you have to work quickly through, through discussions of iman. Yes? Don't get into the nitty, do not get into the sanad. Do not get up an article from online. No, don't get into that. Focus on the usul. Focus on the foundations. Belief in Allah, belief in Rasulullah, belief in the Akhirah. Belief in the Quran. Focus on that. It's you, because none of us, very few of us are so knowledgeable that we can handle intricate discussions about that topic. And you may, your son or daughter may be more, very easily more read than you are. Then you're going to find yourself up cornered against the wall. So that's why don't get into that discussion. Muhammad Ustaraf Janaini. What we're going to speak about, we're going to speak about belief in Allah, Rasul, Quran, and Day of Judgment. Second thing, increase their remembrance and dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a strong waswas of shaitan. My beloved brothers, I don't know how to explain this topic. It, it, it's, I, I hope you all just realize what I'm talking about. This is, this is, this is the new, uh, the new, uh, what you call the latest strain of, 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 of shaitani COVID. You know what I mean? 
This is the new, because how COVID keeps on changing, you got new, new variants of it. This is the new shaitani one. I'm talking about not the COVID of the body, the COVID of the heart, the soul. And it is to create doubt in Rasulullah sirah. To create doubt about his life. And then those ulama who will defend to create doubt in them. If you don't believe in Nabi and you don't believe Sallallahu and you don't believe the ulama who's supporting Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you don't need shaitan anymore. The person has misled himself. So, may Allah protect my children, your children, protect me and you, protect all of us, our loved ones, from falling to this. What's the first one? Wahyur Risala, Ilham. Ilham is the wahy of prophethood. So I, this, this beautiful discussion happened on the topic of why Maryam, the mother of Musa could not have been a what? A prophet. That's the verse of the Quran. I mean, this, this is why they say, no, the Quran needs to be reinterpreted because it's been interpreted by men. What's left? So let women decide who a woman is. And let, you know, this, this, is the, this is what he called the you know, the foolishness of, our, of the discussions today. And so just like you and I sitting in this masjid say, oh yeah, the discussion about who a woman and a male is seems to be absolutely outlandish. Similarly, and this discussion for many people in the ummah, Muslim, especially non-Muslims, is not outlandish. It's legit. They'll give their life for it. They're like, what are you talking about? Don't tell us what a woman or a man is. We can be whatever we want. You cannot tell me who I am. And as, as outlandish as they may currently today in, sound to you, you know outside this is completely acceptable. And very soon, a large portion of the Muslim Ummah will also accept that. Similarly, just as a reference point I'm saying, all the things that I've spoken in the last 5 minutes, 10 minutes, were also as absolutely accepted 30 years ago as this point is. You get what I'm saying? The whole discussion of gender identity, just like it's, like a, it's a no issue for you, the brothers at least who are sitting and listening to me right now live. Similarly, the, all the topics of the rights and roles of men and women and Rasulullah Sirah and all these things, these were non-issues. These have unfortunately have become issues recently and it's so hurtful and sad to see how our own Muslims are propelling this. Have accepted the propaganda and the narrative of kuffar and are propelling it. Allah protect us. Allah have mercy upon us. We have revealed to your mother not wahi risala. Then what wahi was it? The next topic is next type of wahi is wahil gariza, which means a wahi which is part of your nature. Nature. Where do you find that? Your Lord, He revealed to the what? What's nahal? Bee. He revealed to the bee. To build. Your, your hive in faraway places and in the mountains. You know what's so amazing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word means to make. Now Arabic, as you are aware, is very specific. The verb forms are all different for male, female, for singular, dual, plural. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He speaks to the bee or does wahi gariza, nature, He uses the singular feminine form. And the ulama say, subhanAllah, the address is to the queen bee. The queen bee, Allah is addressing her in the female. Isn't that amazing? The female pronoun or, or female form of this verb has been used because she's the one who's going to be the center of this hive. SubhanAllah. And the third type of revelation is wahi ilham, which is what we call inspiration. Dil mein baat 
It came into your, it just it makes sense to you. And so this is the type of inspiration that Musa Islam's mother had. What, it was the, what was the inspiration? tabut. Oh, oh, Musa's mother, iqdifihi. Toss him into the basket. Faqdifihi fil yam. And then let the river cast him upon the shore. Ya'khudhu and an enemy of mine. An enemy of mine, an enemy of his, his shall take him in. Thus I did cast upon you love, minni, from me. And that you should be reared beneath the care of my watchful eye. This is a very beautiful ayah as well. So much to be said here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired the mother of Musa to throw him into this uh, uh, basket and throw him into the river. Okay, now Allah says, It's to throw. This is again imperative form, what we call fi'l amr, command form. Allah is saying, Hey, ocean, river, cast. Allah is speaking to the river here. What does that tell us? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls everything. And everything is part of the army of Allah. وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّهُ No one knows the true extent of the army of Allah except for Him. And the army of Allah could be a mosquito, could be a virus, and could be the river, and could be the heart of Fir'aun that melted. Subhanallah. Fir'aun has made a command that all men, all boys should be killed. And now he cannot even control his heart. That he's listening to his wife who's saying that we got to keep him. Know very well that Allah comes between you and your heart. You know when you say, I got to do something? He's never going to be happy. He's never going to agree. This is what the Quran is telling us. Who said anyone has control over their emotions and their hearts? Who said that? No one does. I don't, neither do you, and nor does any person in the world. So when you need to achieve something and do something for the sake of Allah, don't ever look at who you're dealing with and just say, He will never agree. Never say never. Say he has no control over his heart. And the Quran says, You cannot wish anything except that the Lord of the worlds also has to wish. When your wish and Allah's wish coincide, then things will happen. You can wish all you want. Without Allah's wish, nothing will happen. So never become phased with who you're dealing with. Never become phased by the determination of others. Instead, we know that we don't just have self-trust and self-confidence. We have confidence in who? In the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why we will never be afraid of anything that's coming in front of us. And so that's what we learn from here. Allah is ordering the ocean to throw him into the, throw him out, spit him out on the banks of the river. Because the ocean is what? Part of the army of Allah. Just, just like everyone else. Who's going to take him? The enemy. I've already spoken about this in the pre first session or the second session about how Allah used Fir'aun to rear Musa alayhi salam. And then he says, there's much, you know, there's various opinions on this. Such a beautiful portion here. I have made cast upon you your uh, cast upon you love. Ulama have said one explanation is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the love of Nabi Musa into the hearts of the people. Because why? Allah loved him first. When Allah loves you, He will make people love you. So stop worrying about what people think about you. If Allah loves you, strive to make yourself beloved to Allah, then when Allah loves you, He will automatically make you beloved to the people. And I want to share with you an amazing hadith related by Imam Bayhaqi fi Shu'ab al-Iman. 
Okay, what is this? He says, Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam said, Qala Dawood alayhi salam fima yukhatibu rabbahu. Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam said to his Lord, making dua, Ya Rabbi ayyu ibadik ahabu ilayk, uhibbuhu bihubbik. O oh Allah, which of your servants is most beloved to you? So that I may love him for your sake. Kaisi dua hai? What an amazing dua. Ya Allah, which servant of yours is most beloved to you? I want to love him out of the love for you. Qala ya Dawood. He said, O Dawood. The most beloved servant of mine is Naqiyul Qalbi, the one who's got a clean heart. Naqiyul Kafaini, the one who's got clean hands. He doesn't harm anyone. He does not carry tails. Allahu Akbar. The mountains may move, but he shall not move. The mountains may move, but he will not give up his principles. He loves me. And he loves those who love me. And makes me beloved to my servants. Makes me beloved to my servants. This is the description that Allah is giving Dawood of who he loves the most. I'm repeating, clean heart, clean hands, doesn't harm anyone, doesn't carry tails, mountains may move but he doesn't move, he loves me, he loves the one who loves me, and he makes people beloved to me. Or rather he makes me beloved to the people. Dawood A.S.'s response, Ya Rabbi, innaka la ta'alamu anni uhibbuk. Oh Allah, you already know I love you. Wa uhibbu man yuhibbuk. And I, you already know I love the ones who love you. Fakayfa uhabbibuka ila ibadik. How can I make you beloved to your servants? How can I make you beloved to your servants? He mentioned, Allah responded to Dawood A.S. Dhakkirhum bi alai. Remind them of my blessings. Remind them of my ni'mat upon them. وَبَلَائِي Remind them of my uh, challenges and difficulties that I put them through. وَنَعْمَائِي And remind them of the favors upon, upon them. يَا دَاوُودُ O Dawood, إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ مِنْ عَبْدٍ يُعِينُ مَظْلُومًا أَوْ يَمْشِي مَعَهُ فِي مَظْرَمَتِهِ إِلَّا أُثَبِّتُ قَدَمَيْهِ يَوْمَ تَزُولُ الْأَقْدَامِ O Dawood, there is no servant of mine who helps an oppressed person or who assists an oppressed person by walking with him to defend him, except that I will ensure that his feet will remain firm the day the feet begin to slip. So my beloved friends, what do we learn from here? Is that if we want to become the beloved of Allah, we need to not only love Allah, but love those who love Allah, and also make Allah beloved to the people. And how do we make Allah, Allah beloved to the people? By speaking about Allah's greatness, by speaking about Allah's blessings, I, I mistranslated that, so this is the three things. By speaking about Allah's greatness, by speaking about Allah's blessings, and by speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment. Something or another will hit someone, attract someone, and inshallah they will make tawbah and repent, and they will come towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to ask Allah azza wa that He makes us, you and I, from amongst His most beloved servants, and He allows us to then walk in the footsteps of the beloved servants and do those things that will make us worthy of being beloved in this world and the next. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Let's take a few moments to do some dhikr. La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه اللهم انت السلام السلام وبارك على الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك رب اغفر وارحم وتجاوز عما تعلم انك انت العزيز الاكرم اللهم ارنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وارنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم نور قلوبنا بدور الايمان اللهم اشرح صدورنا للاسلام اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى اللهم اشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموتى المسلمين وانصر المستضعفين من المسلمين في كل مكان سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين